You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Welcome to our Truth Be Told series. Our goal is to have a deeper understanding and appreciation of the parables of Jesus, causing us to apply and grow in character and biblical understanding. The whole point of parables is to challenge. Say the word challenge. The way people think, and that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. A lot of people have uh, really a lot of motives, and God would want to use parables as a way to provoke them. And how many of you here, for the past few weeks, God would be using stories after stories to rock the boat? Okay, Say the word, rock the boat. Or the phrase. And for about uh, really four or five weeks, we've been discussing the sower. Uh, the parable of all parables, the mustard seed, that indeed the kingdom of God is advancing. We talk about the prodigal son, but we did talk about the prodigal sons because uh, both are indeed uh, at a loss when it comes to the relationship with their father. And about a week ago, we did uh, talk about the Good Samaritan, that a teacher was asking how, how to have eternal life. And his posture is through uh, what? His works more than just having a relationship with God that will cause you to do good works. Remember, just like what we have mentioned a week ago, uh, good works will not give you eternal life. It is eternal life that will give you the grace to do good works. And today we'll talk about the parable of the vineyard workers. And I know that a lot of you here really are really excited in order for you to really uh, understand what God would want to convey and communicate to you this afternoon. So I want you right now to read uh, with us, or probably if you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 20, verse 1 to 6. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them, he said, you go into the vineyard too. And whatever is right, I will give you. Whatever is right, I will give you. So they went, going out again and about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, This last, okay, work only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. Can we just take this moment right now to bow our heads and close our eyes? Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful moment. Indeed, you are in our midst. And we just want to welcome your presence. We ask God that as we study your word, I pray that we will witness how gracious, compassionate, and slow anger you are. We thank you for 
your unmerited favor this afternoon. We give you all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Jesus, any parable, the parable of the workers in the vineyard, and the context is very, very crucial. This is why it is important that we do understand the context of what Jesus is trying to teach. And having the right context will give us the right or proper understanding. So in order for you to really understand the whole parable, okay, we need to retrace our steps and read Matthew 19, verse 16, in order for us to have a proper background. How many of you here at times when you don't understand certain situations, you want to retrace your steps and go back where it all began, right? Ah, kaya pala palaging ganit kasi napagalitan. How many of you here, when you don't understand why people would love to hurt other people because they're hurting? Hurt people, hurt people. Now you have a context why people are harsh with the people around them because they're hurting. Now you know the context. And in the same manner, when it comes to this passage, in order for us to understand Matthew 20, we need to go back. Why? Christ opted to share this parable. The context of this passage goes, okay, from way back chapter 19, and it's here in verse 16. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? So for some of you here that are not familiar with this story, this is about the rich young ruler. If you're single, right, you want to look for somebody rich, somebody young, and somebody who has the stature. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter eternal life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But before we read verse 20, okay, God was simply in a way, should I say, set him up or God or Christ was trying to, uh, in a way, uh, put him in a situation okay, where <laughs> he will be surprised after reading this interaction with Christ that will cause him to really question in a way himself if indeed it earning eternal life okay can be gained through following the commandments and if you're here right now and you have a relationship with god and if you know god i mean you know that you can't gain eternal life by being good and following the commandments of god but you know christ he's very provocative and it's here okay have you followed the ten commandments that's his question verse 21 Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, nobody's perfect, by the way, but again, you know Christ, okay? He loves to dance with this person. If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You need to understand, he said, all this I have kept. He's telling a lie. Am I correct? Nobody can keep the Ten Commandments. But, of course, again, okay, 
Christ just allowed him to interact with him. You're telling me that you have uh, kept the Ten Commandments, that you have adhered to it? Okay. Okay? I want to ride with you. Good. Again, Jesus Christ, if you want to be perfect, go sell everything. And he, the young man went out sorrowful because he had so many possessions. The rich man re- refused to give up his wealth to follow Jesus, which means that he was not keeping all the commandments as he had claimed, and he was simply lying. He was not keeping God's command. You shall have no other gods before me because based on this story, his God was his possession or his possession. And this is a picture of a man who's trying his best to earn approval and access to heaven because of following the commandments of God. Just like what we have discussed about a week ago, the Good Samaritan. And in order for you, uh, for the lawyer, okay, to understand the whole concept that yes, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, mind, soul, and strength. But that's really a product. Loving God is a product of having a relationship with God. You cannot love God if He did not love you first. Am I correct? This is why this commandment is really um, very provocative. And his wealth okay, was his idol that kept him from following the one he had just recognized as good. He was simply saying, God is good, Christ is good, my good teacher, am I really good? How come you can't give up what I'm asking you to do? Because at the end of the day, his heart okay, is away from God. And more than just our obedience, God is concerned with the motivation of our hearts more than our obedience. And a lot of us can obey God and do what needs to be done. But at the end of the day, it's not just about our actions, but the motivations of our hearts. What's in our hearts that would uh, really matter? That being a Christian is not just okay, our ways and our actions. It has a lot to do with our hearts. Hindi lang po sa... Muso. Hashtag. Kundi sa puso. At the end of the day, there are a lot of people who would reflect and do what needs to be done and they can do what's proper, what's pleasing, what's right. But just like what I mentioned, you can do the, a good thing. But it can be a bad thing when the motivation is wrong. Let me say this once again. A good thing can be a bad thing when the motivation is wrong. And that is what God wants to clarify here. That more than just the action and the act and the ways and the confession, God wants to say, really? Do you love me? Do you acknowledge me good? Let me check your heart. This is why the parable was given by Christ because He wants to communicate to His disciples uh, that indeed, okay, this will probably clarify certain things okay, that you adhere to. As Jesus said to His disciples, this is what... He was trying to convey, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty with a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? If the commandments are not our ticket to heaven to eternal life, therefore there's no one in heaven. If the basis is perfection, remember? If you follow the Ten Commandments, okay, I might consider taking you to heaven. And he's simply saying, go and be perfect, sell everything. Let's see. Because God knows nobody has what it takes to be perfect. God is simply conveying 
that you cannot follow the commandments, my commandments. God is simply stating, this is not how you gain access to heaven. Having eternal life is having me in your life. But if you are self-righteous, you would want to follow the rules and the commandments in order for you to be, to be accepted by God. Remember, our, what? our desire to follow the commandments is the byproduct of our relationship with God. It is not our access to heaven. We are bound to go to heaven if you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. No amount of good works can help you access to heaven because we know that no amount of good works or following the commandments of God okay, that will grant you a ticket to heaven. This is why who then can be saved? Who can be saved? That's the question. And a lot of people that I've asked through the years would answer me based on their idea and head knowledge probably of how to enter heaven. Some would say, I'm not really that good. I'm, a, I'm not really that bad. I'm a good person. Uh, I'm, I'm not a murderer. I'm not an immoral person. I, 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 I would lie once in a while. At the end of the day, whether you're a, a liar or a, a, a murderer, you're, you're categorized with no degree as a sinner. Whether you steal a million or one peso, you're still a what? A thief. And this is something that we need to clarify okay, in this message that there is an unanswered question. This is the first thing that we need to clarify. What is the question? How to be saved? Because if salvation is just following the, the, the commandments of God based on how the rich young ruler reacted, there is a big problem. This is why Christ, for me, it's not written in the scripture, but probably he's, he's probably glad that he's having that conversation with the rich young ruler. Tingnan ko nga kung kakayanin mo to. Because at the end of the day, the way to eternal life is to surrender your life to Christ. We don't have what it takes to go to heaven. Left to our own devices, we're nothing. We can't follow the commandments of God. We're sinners. But when I found out that by surrendering my life to Christ because of His death on the cross, I began to appreciate that I'm saved not by works, but by the grace of God. And because I have savored the grace of God, I can do what is good. And for some of you, are surprised. So I... You're telling me, Pastor, that if I surrender my life to Christ and if I die tonight, I'm going to heaven? Absolutely. Because it's not according to your works so that you can't boast. It is according to the works of Christ on the cross. But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. Eternal life, impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Christ was simply stating, it's impossible. You rest on what I have done. You submit to what I have done on the cross because in my name, everything is possible. So probably you're uh, surprised that once in a while, you, you hear pastors and people go, uh, going up stage uh, saying over and over again in Jesus' name because according to our own strength, we, ha- we don't have what it takes. It is only in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that all things, okay? Can take place. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? He was simply saying, just like this rich young ruler, that you're asking this man to leave everything. I, I've done that. But remember, this can sound arrogant, but God knows the heart of Peter. 
that Peter was just simply inquiring, nagtatanong lang po. So I have followed you. I have attended a Sunday gathering. I'm attending a victory group. I'm reading my Bible. I have sacrificed so much. I did not compromise. I'm praying every single day. I've, did, I've done everything in your name. So is there a reward for me? Okay? Is there something in store for me? The question asked by Peter leads to, in fact, this parable of the workers in the vineyard. Kaya pala, that the rich young ruler and Peter have the same concern. How to gain eternal life and Peter has gained eternal life. So what's in it for me? But his question was not just because if, uh, I, if I did give my and hand my life over to you, okay, I'm entitled of uh, really the blessings and the rewards. That's not the tone of his voice if you check the whole scriptures okay, or the word of God. Peter was simply saying, is there a reward for us? And I want to tell you, all of you in this room, and this is another story, another topic for another day, there is a reward for those who have surrendered their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, I can't explain this. Because the Word of God states, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who loves Him. Therefore, I can't paint a picture of what kind of a reward because my mind is what is limited. Right? I'm not doing it justice. If I tell you this is the kind of reward that you will have, I don't think I'm accurate. Why? Because it is just awesome, great, and magnanimous that my no words can explain or define what God has prepared for all of us. I will only use my vocabulary to explain what the Lord has prepared for you. But I don't think I will give you the, uh, I will give justice to what I'm about to say. So live, let's leave what God has prepared for us. Okay? And set it aside and be excited of what God has prepared for us. So it is good for us to pause for a while, okay, and really just continue with Peter's interaction with Christ. Can we do that? We'll talk about the parable of uh, the workers in the vineyard, but let me finish chapter 19 before we proceed into verse or chapter 20. And everyone who has left his house or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or lands for my name's sake, Whatever sacrifices you've done will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. One of the observations I have, or in fact, probably can say it's not just one, but, but two observations, that, that Peter was asking for assurance. And God is simply saying, you're assured. If you have followed me and you have surrendered and you have made sacrifices, you're guaranteed you'll have rewards. Secondly is that, okay, for those people who would seek God for rewards. My economy and my math is different. How many of you here, uh, you have experience of people trying to relate to you and befriending you for what they can get from you? They're not for the relationship. They're what? They're around for what you can provide. Okay? And some are friendly user and some are user-friendly. But this is what God is simply saying. That yes, there is a reward, but don't strike a relation. Don't, don't enter in this relationship for what I can give. Remember, some of us here are looking forward for the rewards. But do we enjoy our, what, our relationship with God? In fact, having a relationship with God is something that I can't help but rejoice every single day. But some of you might not understand this. 
Yes, there is an upcoming reward, but the relationship that I have with Christ now is already a reward. Isn't it? This is why some of you here that are in a relationship, you're married or you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you do understand that it's not about what the other party can provide. And some of you here, we need to clarify these things. Because if your partner would not respond to your text messages, you take it against the person. Of course, we know that there are expectations, right? But why at times we, we can't just access and enjoy the relationship with that person, okay, then what the other party can provide. You did not enter the relationship that somebody can pacify your needs and wants. You are in that relationship, listen to this, not to get, but to give. And in giving, you will get. Who got? <laughs> At the end of the day, that's what Christ has provided. He came into this world to provide. And he's not expecting anything in return. He provided. And he has all the right to demand from us. But he waited for us to respond that he what? His mother does with his love. And the reason why, just like what I mentioned, I can love God because he first loved me first. Or he first loved me. He will not coerce or twist your arms so that you will worship and bow your uh, and, 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 and serve Him. No, He will wait. He will overwhelm you with His love. And because you're overwhelmed, you can't help but raise your hand. How many of you here are surprised that after two weeks, you find it hard to worship God and raise your hand, but after two months, you're, you're, you're surprised. Why am I raising my hand? Why? Because this is not part of our routine here. Because you are responding to God's love and how generous and good He is. Amen. You're not, you're not rejoicing because it's part of our program, because I told you so, because you have encountered and you have experienced how God has been so good. We're about to close the year. And for the past six, seven, eight, nine months, you know God has been faithful. Amen. Yes. It is not a perfect life, but God was with you every step of the way. And that is something that you can, be, you can rejoice and be thankful of. This is why God's economy is unreasonable. Because he was simply telling Peter, yes, I will reward you. But if you exist, not for the relationship, but for the rewards, your heart has a problem. For example, if you're praying for something and you're coming to church, and God will not grant your request, you take it against God, or you're thankful for the things that God has blessed you with. Let me say it once again. There are days that we're we're offended or we're bitter for the things that God has not blessed us with. We've been praying for the past five years. Why can't you just bless me, God? But when was the last time you paused for a while and thanked the Lord for the things that you did not pray for and He has blessed you with? Because the problem is at the end of the day is your heart, our hearts. This is why parables okay, are great examples to reveal there are times we're so selfish and self-centered and we're so consumed with what we can get and what we can benefit. But God is simply saying, your heart is this place. Your heart is wrong. That you're offended if I don't bless you with something? I mean, this morning my wife, okay, or this morning my, my wife just, just asked me if we can have a talk. and It was, it was a great moment for us. Uh, after lunch, she, she brought me to church. and I mean, the, the, we're, I'm enjoying the relationship more than... The perks of marrying a, this person. Why? 
Because if she can provide whatever I want, and she will fail, ladies and gentlemen, I can easily overshadow her limitations because she's more important than what she can provide. That's the reason why a lot of us here, you're, you're, I'm not talking about husbands in this room, but, <laughs> but at times you take it against your wife or vice versa, you take it against your husband. I know there, there are expectations in that relationship, but I want you to be reminded that you shouting at your wife or your husband sends a message that your needs and wants are important more than your partner. And I'm telling you right now, your partner should be important more than the things that you need and you want. And I hope that when it comes to a relationship with the Lord, when things that we desire or we desire are not provided, we will not take it against God. Instead of complaining, we look back and say, God, thank you that even I am not blessed with a good salary. Thank you for giving me life. Thank you for giving me friends. Thank you that I'm not in the hospital. Thank you that you have blessed me with parents that will love me and will choose to love me unconditionally. This is what God is trying to convey. This is why His economy is different from our economy. He measures things differently. For His thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways His ways, declares the Lord. For us, heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Therefore, God, when it comes to how He will reward people, He's different. Compared to how the world does it. The world does it in a system wherein you have to perform so that you will get your compensation based on your performance. Honestly, I have asked this illustration roughly about two months ago. So I guess, nalimutan na, okay? But I want to ask you, how many of you here uh, are employees? Employees, good, thank you. How many of you here in your heart, you know that your, your boss loves you so much? Your boss, your employer. Anybody here? Want- after all, I'm kidding. Um, you know, uh, and, and I, I do understand that, that you're probably performing well, and that's, that's probably something that we can celebrate this afternoon. But you need to be reminded the reason why your boss loves you 99% because you're coming on time, you're beating deadlines, and you're a good employee, right? Try, okay? Starting tomorrow. Okay, try coming after lunch, okay, and do everything that, okay, that would, that would really um, cause your boss to question if you're the right person for the right job. At the end of the day, we're rewarded based on our performance. We're rewarded based on how good we are. That's not the scale of God. How many of you here, you're a type of person where you're saying, I want everything to be fair. Dapat patas. Ang laban. How many of you here? You're, 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 you're that fair. Anybody? So, dalawa lang tayo. Salamat. You want, all of us, dawat patas. I perform, you pay me. But the economy of God is different. Because the Word of God states that for the wages of sin is, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You did not perform. Christ performed on your behalf and you're still saved. 
hear this loud and clear. I am glad that God is unfair. Because if God is fair, all of us are going to hell. Right? What's fair for you? You sin, you go to hell. But the economy of God is different. Because His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And His ways are higher than our ways. God does not bless us to satisfy our performance. But He does it to reveal our hearts. That there are times, just like with a story that we are about to read, God is simply saying, I will create a parable and tell you a story to rock the boat and in a way solicit a reaction from your end if your heart is right. What if I will reward those people that are not performing? And if you are a person who's legalistic, and you're doing things according to your ability and your strength, and that's your brand, that you are proud of yourself because of how good you are, this story is for you, and this story is for all of us. Again, I'm not saying that you should not perform. That's not what we're teaching here. But I hope that our performance okay, should not be our identity. Our performance is the byproduct of our identity. We are the children of God. And the reason why we excel, because I'm a child of God. My performance is not my identity. It's not why I'm, I'm, I am accepted. It is the byproduct of who I am in Christ. This is where the story begins. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers, for a denarius, there was an agreement. You perform, I'll pay you. He sent them into his vineyard, and going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into your vineyard too. And whatever is right, I will give you whatever is right. If you take a closer look at the whole passage, there are a couple of features here that will probably, that we need to take a closer look into. First, notice the difference in times that the workers were hired. And, okay, the first group, the second group, and the third group. And one of the things that really caught my attention was the first workers were hired for a denarius. They did agree, right? You perform, I will pay you. Okay? And this was really common during the time. In fact, a denarius is above average. So if this man, who's a representation of God, is hiring this person, I'm giving you a denarius, therefore, it's, it's more than enough. So this is not, okay, uh, a parable that, that, that would... Uh, demean or undermine really the performance of people. The workers were promised of whatever is right. And I believe that the master did what was right. And these people accepted the agreement or the arrangement. So they went going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us from my own uh, uh, really uh, opinion, is that the reason why probably no one has hired them because they're not really performers. Right? You hire first people that are really good. 
But that's not really our topic today. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages beginning with the last up to the first. Beginning with the? The last. You start with the last. Okay? So you do understand why that last statement that indeed the last will be the first and the first will be the last. Okay, you start up with the, with, with the last, up to the first. And when those hard about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. So the last received a denarius. And now when those hard first came, they thought, oh, okay, they would receive more because we came in first. We deserve, we have been working for, for, for the past eight hours. And these guys who was hired uh, uh, in the last hour of the day will, will, uh, has been paid with a denarius. Therefore, probably, okay, we will have a better deal. But each of them also received a denarius. Remember, look at the whole passage. First, notice that the order in which the workers are paid is reversed from the uh, order which they were hired. Thus, Jesus is clearly saying, that this is not a parable on how to be fair. This is a parable, and he was, and he's simply saying, and he's putting an emphasis. This is not a parable or of me being fair. This is a parable of me being generous. I can do, I can pay whatever I want as long as I'm not, okay. I'm not shortchanging everybody. I promise to give you a denarius. I will do so, but I will bless anyone that I want to bless. So if you are a performer, and some of you here, you have that kind of reaction. How come I have given my life to Christ? Yung hindi, hindi nga Christian, hindi nga nagsisimba, bini-bless ni Lord. Ano ba yan? How many of you here? You have questions in your mind. I've been in church for 10 years. Samantalang last week lang, umatay ng church, siya boyfriend Ano ba yan, Lord? It's not about being fair. Right? If this is just about being fair, do you want you want do you want to enter that conversation with God? Lord, let's be fair. You're going to hell. So how many of you here are thankful that God is unfair? At least we're in the same page, right? Notice that the workers are paid with the same wage, a denarius. Even those who were hard at the eleventh hour. Third, notice the workers were hard first. Having seen the others receive their pay, suppose that they would receive more. There was already a sense of entitlement. I mean, think about this. When was the last time you rejoiced and you celebrated because your friend, your brother, your neighbor, your office mate was blessed and was promoted? I mean, think about somebody, okay, that you are with for the past 10 years and has been promoted thrice. But here you are. You are still an assistant to the assistant of the assistant. <laughs> of what? Of the janitor in your company. I mean. <laughs> but can you rejoice? Can you celebrate? The story is not about fairness. The story is about your heart. Haven't you noticed that when you have too much, you tend to ask for more? When you have too little, you grumble. I mean, you're blessed. You grumble. When you have too little, you still grumble. Because it's not about 
if God has the capacity to bless us, it's about us. Do we have the capacity to respond right? Whether we have a lot or not at all. Because a person who has a heart of gratitude, whether he has so much or not at all, will be thankful for what he has. And when the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hard about 11 hour came, each of them received a denarius. I want to put an emphasis here. Now when those hard first came, okay, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And then receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house. This is a picture of somebody who's never thankful. I mean... If somebody's blessed, remember this. Your time will come. Your time will come. But while you're waiting, the worst thing that you can do is to be bitter. Because people that are bitter will not find the opportunity to have a breakthrough and a promotion from the Lord. Some of us here, we have missed a lot of breakthroughs because we always grumble. When you grumble, when you complain, you're always depressed and you look down. And because you're depressed, you cannot monitor what God is doing in your life and how He has favored you. So while waiting, you rejoice with people because your day will come. You celebrate with people, you rejoice. Your day will come. And that is what the enemy does. He wants you to compare yourself with other people. And the more you compare, the more you miss out on what God has in store for you. Comparison kills your faith for the things that God has prepared for you. Gratitude builds your faith. So while waiting, it's not about what the Lord is up to, what God is going to do. It's about the who, not the what. Who will you worship while waiting? Because the more you wait and the more you complain, the more you grumble, the more it's prolonged. But ang tagal. Kailan pa maluluto ang sinaing? Yung hihintay mo. And before you know it, you can't enjoy even the blessing. But when you wait, enjoy. If you're single, enjoy that season. Don't complain. Pastor, I'm 95 years old, I'm still single. Buy someone. I mean, <laughs> by the end of the day, waiting is an opportunity to thank God. This is what we miss. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, This last work only one hour. I hope I'm this person. You're done with, with work, and somebody went out of his way to hire you, just work for one hour and. Your pay is equivalent to a day. Isn't it amazing? If you're the person, yung trabaho ka isang oras, and I will pay you generously. How many of you here, you want that? Yung, oh, right? You want that. You want, you want people to, man, this is nice. One hour and then it is equivalent to a day's work. This is good. If you are the recipient, man, you would love this. And this is a picture of how God would want to lavish us with His generosity. So, but He replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? But they 
took it against God. You're unfair. And I found, really, every action when I was doing my research from clean snodgrass that says, we worry about justice. But too often, we dress up as justice what is reality or in reality, jealousy. Or we use justice as a weapon to limit generosity. That you're simply saying, I want justice. I want, I want to be... But in your heart, you know, you're just using this as an alibi. You know your heart is wrong. Pastor, okay na naman, di ba? To, to, to exercise my rights? Check your heart. There's nothing wrong but check your heart with what you want to do. Because at the end of the day, we're experts when it comes to giving our, okay, and how we justify things and how we reason with people. And these workers are really guilty that there is something wrong with their hearts that they can't rejoice with people that has experienced the generosity of God. And the master said, Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. This statement that Christ was simply saying that the last will be first was his main point in this parable. That this parable is not me being fair, it's me being generous. That I will be generous to those that I want to be generous to. And the good news is, the Word of God states that Jesus Christ, God, wants to be generous to all of us. My question with you right now, are you ready to accept the generosity of God? Amen. Come on now. The last will be first. And the first, last. This is why when you came to know the Lord in your life, you are a recipient of God's unmerited favor. The office hour ends at 6. God took you at 5.59. And people doesn't like it. Because God is simply saying, I will put you in a situation where you will experience that this is not me being fair. This is me being unfair. And I have to be honest with you as a father. I always find my own children cute than any other kids. Do I have to explain to you? I know your kids are cuter than mine. I do understand where you're coming from. Because at the end of the day, God doesn't need a reason to be generous. Because His generosity is not based on your performance. It is based on His character. The generosity of God. Let me once again say that. The unreasonable generosity of God cannot be earned for it is graciously 
given. God's great gifts, simply because they are God's, are distributed, not because they are earned, but because He is gracious. I have mentioned this time and time and again in Proverbs 4.19. It says right here, And my God will supply every need of yours according to my generosity, to my riches, to my capacity. Amen? Wrong again. According not to me, but to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. The reason why God is generous, because His generosity is not according to my generosity. His generosity is dependent on His character. Ladies and gentlemen, I am thankful that God isn't fair. And that is his character. In fact, he is unfair because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Our salvation is not a free gift. We know this, that salvation is a free gift. The reason why it's free, because somebody paid for it. He prioritized us because of what his son did. The reason why we have been given life because somebody died for our sins. And who took the blow of how God should be fair was His Son, Jesus Christ. The reason why we're favored because somebody was despised. That's our story. And that's the story of God's generosity. The Word of God states that we are enemies of God. I mean, I just can't imagine and fathom the whole idea that I can forgive my enemies but to be generous to them that's another story now for, for the next five seconds I hope that you will not see this as a traumatic experience where I will tell you can you just look back of the people that has hurt you now I want you to imagine that you you're giving your life savings to this person. I mean, some of you can't imagine because you don't have life savings, but <laughs> I'm, I'm good, but don't, don't you ever cross the line. But God went out of His way, crossed the line, went to His enemies, forgave His enemies, adopted His enemies, and welcomed His enemies that here we are, the reason why we can say, God, thank you for not being fair. Because with what you did in the cross, I can walk in generosity as well. I can walk in grace because you have blessed me generously. The question with you right now, are you like the rich young ruler? Trusting in his own ability to be pleasing enough to God for him to save himself. Which can never happen. Or there is an idol in your life that you're simply saying, I just can't come to God because of what is standing in the way. And the invitation to you is that when you surrender, what's preventing you from knowing God, you will be surprised 
that God is a generous God. That God is for you and He's not against you. That He wants to bless you and prosper your life. But you have to acknowledge first God in your life, Christ in your life. That you need to have a relationship with Him. That all the blessings that we are believing God for will follow if you prioritize a growing, running, and thriving relationship with God. We will be rewarded for sure. But that's not why we are here for. We are here and we exist to have a relationship with Him. Can we just take this time right now to bow our heads and close our eyes? I want to call the music team. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have realized this afternoon that you are a generous father. And today, thank you for your grace that you have lavished upon your people. And we thank you for this opportunity. That indeed, you have given us an unmerited favor. We don't deserve it, but yet, because of what Jesus did at the cross, we can help. But we're thankful for what you've done in us, for us, and through us. So as we bow our heads and close our eyes, if there is something that's preventing you from knowing God because you think you can handle it according to your own strength, according to your riches and glory, you're missing the whole point. That you have to understand that you don't have to do anything to experience the generosity of God. You see it on the cross. Yes, we will work. Yes, we will go to our offices. Yes, we need to do what needs to be done. But that's not who we are. We are the people of God. And we are the product of His grace and His generosity. And the reason why we're a product of His grace and His generosity is because of what Jesus did. And because of that, performance follows. So I pray right now, if you are the person you're saying, Pastor, I want to experience the generosity and the grace of God in my life. I want you to raise your hand. Lord, I pray. Raise your hand if you're saying, God, Pastor, I want, I want, I want to experience the generosity and the grace of God. Just raise your hand. Thank you for those hands. Lord, thank you that each and every person will savor your generous, generosity and your goodness. That no amount of performance, no amount of good works can gain us access into your heart. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can say we are a product of God's grace. That we are a product of God's unreasonable generosity. Thus, we can brag about it. Salamat, Panginoon. Can we just raise our hands all across the room? Salamat, Panginoon. 
that we have nothing to be proud of. Thank you for being so good and generous. That though I'm faithless, you remain to be faithful. You can put down your hands. As we continue to bow our heads and close our eyes with nobody looking around, if you're that person, you're saying, Pastor, I want to experience God in my life. That this is not just another religion. That this is a gathering of people who has a personal relationship with God. And I know some of you are tired of performing, of doing what is good. And time and time and again, you, 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 you fail. You don't have to be enslaved by that routine. You can start your week with freedom that you will do what is right because you have, you have experienced God. That you have been approved and accepted by Him. Thus, you can start your week excellently and you can perform well because the Lord has blessed you. The Lord has forgiven you. The Lord has given you a new life. So as we bow our heads and close our eyes, if you're saying, Pastor, I want to start all over again. I want to follow Christ. I want to hand my life over to Him. I want to invite you into a prayer if you want to accept Jesus with the help of our dear. Say this after me. Lord Jesus, say this once again. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your grace this afternoon. Thank you for being generous. And today, I want you in my life and I repent of all known sins and I want to follow you for the rest of my life.